What does true wellness mean to you? I'm Claudia Cometa, and that is the question I will be leading with in the Minding Wellness podcast. Each and every week, I will bring you experts who will share their personal wellness journeys and their insights into what it means to mind our wellness. Health is a state of body. Wellness is a state of being. Let's dive into improving our state of being. Welcome back, podcast family. We are here today with Johnny Crowder, and this is a special week because we are launching this episode while he is launching and moving into his fourth year in business. So happy business anniversary, Johnny. He is a 28-year-old suicide abuse survivor, TEDx speaker, touring musician, mental health and sobriety advocate, and the founder and CEO of Cope Notes, a text-based mental health platform that provides daily support to users in nearly 100 countries around the globe. With 10 years of clinical treatment, a psychology degree from UCF, shout out to Orlando, and a full decade of peer support and advocacy through the National Alliance of Mental Illness under his belt, Johnny's youthful vigor for the topic of mental health is unmatched. Whether speaking at events or touring with his band, Johnny's infectious positivity and firsthand experience with mental illness ranging from bipolar disorder and OCD to schizophrenia, uniquely equip him to provide realistic yet hopeful insight into the pains of hardship with authenticity, levity, and wit. I enjoyed my conversation with Johnny diving into his journey through his own mental illness and into the founding of Cope Notes and what Cope Notes is doing for the people that it's helping and serving and his vision for what Cope Notes will continue to do throughout its longevity. And it's already showing so much success. And that is a testament to Johnny's commitment to making this a service-based, successful way for people to connect and shift their thought patterns throughout the day. Thank you so much for listening. I know you'll enjoy this. Here is Johnny. So honored and thrilled to have Johnny Crowder with us today. He has started an amazing venture called Cope Notes, and I reached out to him. He was gracious enough to come on and teach us more about his journey to creating this amazing service. I'm so thankful that you came on today, Johnny. I am happy to be here. I am sunburnt to a crisp, and this is helping (laughs) me keep my mind on something else. Oh, fantastic. I'm so happy to be a distraction from that for you. (laughs) Well, let's go ahead and get started with the question I ask all of my guests, which is what does true wellness mean to you? I think it's when your heart and your head and your body are all agreeing with each other. So I've had times in my life when my body feels really healthy, but Uh, my brain and my heart are on completely different pages. And then sometimes uh, I'm finally doing better about taking care of my brain, but then my heart is hurting. And then I finally, it's kind of like a game of whack-a-mole. And when you can actually get all three of those things to communicate and function in unison, I think you just basically become a unicorn and fly away. Like you have, you have (laughs) defeated life. (laughs) 
I love that. And actually you gave me a visual that I don't think I've had yet. And it's such, it's been so great to have the variety of answers. And although there are similarities and patterns to what you just said and what others have said, I suddenly just visualized this like conference room with our head, heart and body and like having this meeting and them all coming to agreement and flying off as a unicorn. So I appreciate the visuals. I love a good visual and you just painted that for me. So, all right, well, let's just dive into your background. So tell the listeners a little bit about you, some of your experience and what led you to create Cope Notes. So I get asked this question a lot and there's so much, it's kind of like saying, Hey, can you take 28 years and boil it down (laughs) into a couple sentences? So I'll do, I'll tell you where you can find the long answer is, um, if a listener is curious and you want to hear the long version, you can, uh, watch my Ted talk. If you just Google TEDx Johnny Crowder, you should be able to find it. And that's where I go into detail about it. But I will warn you, this summary is going to leave out a lot of juicy details. (laughs) Um, But I grew up with a number of different mental health diagnoses. Um, I am a suicide and abuse survivor. So I have been all over the spectrum. I have searched far and wide for resources that would help me feel better, would repair, um, my mental and emotional health and my relationships and my drive and motivation just to complete daily tasks. And Cope Notes is kind of the tool that I spent forever searching for. I went to college for psych and I started doing advocacy back in 2011, uh, public mental health advocacy and peer support. So Cope Notes is kind of the culmination of a quarter century of being frustrated that something like Cope Notes didn't already exist. Yes, I have watched your TED talk, uh, your TEDx talk. And so I definitely will link that in the show notes. And I encourage our listeners to to learn more. And I, I love that you pointed that out because I, I do always feel like when I ask somebody that it's like, how do, where do I start? <laughs> there's such, yeah. there's so much there. And I know that there is so much more there. So I encourage the listeners to go, to go listen and learn more about that background. But yeah, let's start kind of where you left off, which is first identifying what the current mental health system or lack thereof was lacking. So what was it that you were finding or not finding that you were looking for? And, um, you know, what did that include medication? You know, what kinds of things had you tried that didn't seem to provide you what you needed? Well, I was a big, um, (laughs) I was like, let's just say I was an equal opportunity employer when it came to solutions. So like if I would be reading online, I'm up late reading and I'm like, okay, what's going to help with schizophrenia or what's going to help with bipolar one. And then I see like, you know, a quartz crystal necklace that if you keep it on your nightstand, it's supposed to help ward off uh, hallucinations. And I'm, you know, I'm like 19. I'm like, sure. Like whatever. (laughs) I will try literally anything at this point. So I was reading books and attending webinars. I was obviously taking uh, antipsychotic medication and I was seeing a psychiatrist. I was seeing a psychologist um, in and out of mandatory counseling. I did um, therapy all throughout high school, college and beyond. And the two, I think I wanted to solve two primary problems. I mean, there's a big list of things that frustrated me. Um, but one was kind of this idea that if I wasn't in crisis, then I didn't need support, which always bothered me. Like, I don't know. Imagine if we only I'm trying to think of a really good, like, imagine if we only went to the dentist um, when our teeth were rotting out, you know, 
-hmm. instead of going every once in a while, or instead of brushing our teeth or flossing, we only went to the dentist if like literally we had no teeth left in our head. And that's kind of the mentality around the mental health system is like, listen, if you're not like knocking on death's door, then you need to get in line, buddy. Like we don't really have anything for you right now. And you can come back when your problem is more serious. So I felt like there was sort of this um, ignorance around prevention. And then the second thing that bothered me was a lot of things were really involved. Like in order for me to engage with therapy, it was like this whole thing, like a medical questionnaire. And then I had to book and look at my schedule. And then I had to actually, this was back in the olden days where you would drive to a therapy appointment. And there were so many things that bothered me about that system because it was like doing one thing once a week or once a month that felt like this huge hurdle. And there were all these hoops that I had to jump through. And I was like, why isn't there something smaller that I can do on a more consistent basis that doesn't have all of these barriers to entry? Mm, These are all really good points. In fact, I think you just summarized the two primary problems of the healthcare system in general, which is ignorance around prevention and it being overcomplicated. I mean, these are things that we talk about often on this podcast. And so these are really important topics to bring up because I think that we are continually, continually making it more complicated and we don't seem to be progressing to the more simplistic, more accessible type of approach. And um, yeah, I think these are really important points that you point out that you experienced yourself without necessarily knowing of these problems until you experience them. So, all right. So you're noticing that, you know, the, the crystals next to your bed and all of these things are not necessarily providing you with relief. Were there some things that you did that you felt did help a little bit, but did not quite get you to any type of optimal point or did none of them provide any appreciable amount of relief from your symptoms? I think there were definitely things that helped me. The two things that stand out the most are physical exercise, like using my body and forcing my body to pump oxygen up to my brain and like help stuff move through my system, um, work through some of that aggression and um, get some endorphins flowing that was really healthy for me and still is today. Um, even during COVID, because my exercise options are limited, I still go on walks frequently. I try to ride my bike. Um, and there's something to be said about just moving your body in a rhythmic motion. So I'm a big fan of physical exercise. And um, outside of therapy and medication, which, which both did make a positive impact on me, a net positive impact, Um, but those are kind of straightforward answers, uh, the therapy and medication. So I'll say physical exercises, maybe kind of a curveball. And the other one is being very intentionally creative, like painting or opening up a blank word document and just writing something out, trying to write a poem or a short story, or, um, you know, even there's something to be said about building Ikea furniture, uh, just <laughs> any way that you can like bring something to life, like writing a song or noodling around on a guitar or keyboard. It was just a way for my brain to give a different shape to what I was thinking. 
Really interesting. I love those. And I love that this gets back to the the complicated nature of the medical system and how it doesn't have to be when, when two of the things you mentioned are physical exercise and being intentionally creative, neither of which require any kind of complication. So I, I love that you talk about that. Talk a little bit about, I know your background largely includes music. So around the, the creative uh, point, what, what did music serve how did it serve you in your life and how does it continue to serve you? Well, this can be difficult to explain. I think some parts will sound relatable and some parts maybe will be a little more informed by my diagnoses, but I'll try to, I'll try to aim it correctly. Um, If you had a friend that you could turn to about a problem and then you turned to them again about that same problem. And then you turned to them again about that same problem over and over again. You know, it's 3 a.m. And then two weeks later, you're talking about the same thing. And over time, that can degrade that relationship. Um, just because people get worn out, people have limits. You know, if I had somebody call me in the middle of the night and talk to me about a breakup that they're going through every single day for 18 months, I would, you know, have to change my phone number. I would just, mm-hmm reach my limit as a human and music is the music is invincible right like if i don't touch my guitar for a year my guitar doesn't look at me and say what the heck like what's your problem you've Mm -hmm. abandoned me but then if i need to play my guitar every single day for a year it doesn't say what the heck what's your problem why are you keep leaning on me for the same thing music is it is timeless and expressive and i've found music to i think true music fans will be able to relate to this i've found it incredibly it's an incredibly forgiving companion that's really beautiful i'm actually excited to go back and listen to that part of this episode again and again because i don't know that i've ever thought of it that way and i'm not musically inclined. I mean, I appreciate listening to music, but I am not the creative type with regard to music, but my husband is. And so that really helps me understand, you know, where you're coming from, also where he's coming from. And it kind of makes me think of, of animals, like a dog, right? The unconditional love Mm -hmm. of a dog. It made me think of that parallel. So that's, that's a really beautiful way to put that. I appreciate you sharing that. In your TEDx talk, you mentioned a statistic that's pretty alarming, and I want to point that out. You said out of the 60,000 or so thoughts we have each day, about 48,000 are negative. Why do you think that is, and what practices have you found helpful in your own life to deal with this? Of course, we'll get to cope notes being one of those, but um, you know, what? Why, why do you think that over over half of our thoughts are, and so many of them are negative? Well, I'm going to start this by saying that I have a degree in psychology, but I'm not a doctor. So I'm going to posit a suggestion that is, you know, could be true, could not be true. This is just kind of the way that I've thought about it. Um, In the history of mankind, anxiety and fear have served evolution, right? Like, If you're scared of predators, you are more protective. If you are always thinking about the worst case scenario, then you can protect yourself against those things and then you survive, your bloodline survives. Um, 
And even if you go back into think like thoughts of being self-conscious and worrying about what other people think, if you go back in history, like thousands and thousands of years, you're part of a tribe. And if the tribe likes you, then you are protected by the tribe. You have a community, you have a home, um, you can combine skill sets with them and you have a sense of belonging and there's strength in numbers. But should someone start thinking poorly of you and then the tribe thinks poorly of you and you're kicked out, you have low chances of survival. So I don't think that the negative thoughts are being created by our current circumstances. I think they're being amplified. So the same fears that we had back then, like I'm worried about a predator or I'm worried about um, someone kicking me out of my tribe might manifest now like, well, I'm worried about um, my coworker who might try to take my job from me. So that's that competitive fear. Or we might say, well, I'm worried about um, what this girl thinks of me because I really want to impress her. All of those things are informed. Keep in mind, not a doctor, not a historian or anything. But I think that those thoughts maybe have existed and pervaded throughout history, but now they're amplified because of the things that we have available to us. So before you only had to worry about, um, what your tribe thought. Now you have to worry about the whole universe with social media. And before you only had to worry about, you know, if there was a lion near you, and now you have to worry about car crashes and drinking unfiltered water. And then it's like microwaves gives you cancer and all this stuff. So Mm. I think it's, it's not that we are inventing more negative thoughts. I think it's that our negative thoughts are being amplified because of the data set that we have access to. Did that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And yes, and and it's endless. And we are told every day more and more things that we should be worrying about that we weren't previously worrying about. So yes, it makes sense. Dude, I should have just said, I should have saved the listeners that last three minute explanation just said the news. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Turn it off. I hardly ever watch the news for that very reason and more. So um, yes, all true. And I think everybody can can relate to what the news is is feeding us. So all right, what, um, what, so what practices, did you start to use for yourself to deal with negative thoughts? I know you talk a lot about like some of the sticky notes. So what kind of was the process of you seeking some relief for yourself and then finding your path to cope notes? So I'm going to try to answer all of that by saying logic. So pretty much every negative thought that I have is illogical in some way. And if I just leverage logic or perspective to combat that thought, very rarely does my negative thought prevail. Like, let's say I'm worried about, um, let's use the previous example. Like I'm worried about a coworker trying to take my position. And then I would just kind of identify like, wow, that's a negative thought. That's, there's some anxiety there. There's some fear there, some stress there, maybe some relationship or abandonment issues there. So let's take a second and just look at the facts. Has that coworker ever displayed any indication that they would want to take my job from me? No. Okay, well, how is my relationship with that coworker? Is my relationship with them damaged or strained in any way? No. And so slowly I would sort of ask myself these logical questions that would force, it would like back my anxiety into a corner. Um, and eventually my anxiety would give up and say, fine, you're right. We don't have enough facts to back up our claim, whatever. You win this round, but we'll be back tomorrow. (laughs) The problem was that's 
a difficult process to streamline. And if you do it with every single fear, you're talking about doing it with, you know, 48,000 times a day. It can be really challenging. So the goal behind Cope Notes was taking that practice of challenging and interrupting those negative thoughts and trying to automate it in some way so that my brain would get really good at catching and refuting them in the process of thinking them rather than having to bury those negative thoughts or stuff them down and then have them pop up in my life eight months later. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of Byron Katie's work? That sounds so familiar. So what you just, um, you know, described is basically what, um, you know, very similar to the work that she describes and it's so valuable, um, but you're right. I mean, it, it, it does take some time, but yeah, asking, okay, I have this, you know, story in my head about this coworker or taking my job and uh, the work is basically just questioning that thought, you know, like, is this true? Do I know for certain if this is true and who would I be if I wasn't thinking this right now? So anyways, it's just, it's, it's a really close parallel to what you just described. So I wanted to throw it out there in case the audience wanted to, to, um, you know, listen to a, another person talk about that, but really, really valuable. I mean, you obviously came up with that yourself. You didn't hear from her, which is fantastic because I think that it is a really important practice to have is asking ourselves and dispelling these stories that we're making up because they are so, so many are made up. And I recently just heard actually just yesterday, a really great practice that was described by um, somebody who had gone into a monastery and learned this there. And that is to write down all of the things that you are worried about right now, put them sort of in a time capsule, and then in six months, take them back out. And, you know, like he was saying that, I, you know, he put all his worries in there. And then six months later, none of that, none of that even remotely yeah. came true. So <laughs> just to like tangibly show yourself that, you know, all right, like this, this isn't, most of this isn't going to happen if not all of it. And so, you know, we're just kind of getting the practice. So in any case, I uh, digress a little bit. So let's get back to your, how did cope notes start to come into your mind as a potential that would that would help. Maybe it started at helping you and then how and helping others. And how did it become what it is today? So if you've <clears throat> listened to my Ted talk, you know, a little bit about the story, but for listeners, um, I started leaving sticky notes around my house with, and I couldn't do like the self-help type stuff. Like some of the verbiage just wouldn't, uh, resonate with me. Like I didn't leave a sticky note that said smile. Mm -hmm. I left more sticky notes that was like, dude, pull your head out of your butt and like, stop being so negative. And like, and it started really elementary like that. And then I started writing more elaborate sticky notes, ones that maybe prompted, you know, a minute or two of introspection versus just a quick little tap on the back of the neck. And I started hiding the sticky notes all, all over the place, like on my steering wheel in my car and in the pocket of one of my pairs of jeans, um, just to try to surprise myself. But much like you can't tickle yourself, you, it's pretty difficult to surprise <laughs> yourself. So um, as I talk about in the TED Talk, I sent a text message, the same message, by the way. I just wrote out one text message and sent it to 30 plus people at the same time, just to see the responses that I would get back. And all of these people responded saying that the message helped them. And it kind of made me think, well, I didn't have to know what was going on in their life to provide value, which means that if I could do it with my friends, I could probably do it with strangers, like people that I've never met. So that was kind of the first 
thing that showed me that there was a potential to scale this. Um, but I was actually still running a virtual peer support platform called Not a Therapist at the time. So I wasn't trying to create a whole new thing yet. Um, so I kind of just put that idea in my back pocket for the time being, and then it eventually became um, Not a Therapist couldn't scale, kind of like we're talking about healthcare system problems. Um, once <laughs> a, not a therapist served a certain amount of people, it just broke down. Like we couldn't have 5,000 people ask for, ask for a support session at once or else they'd be waiting like seven years in the queue. So, um, I created cope notes to be a scalable version of peer support. And I genuinely had no idea that three years later we'd be here. I love that you started texting friends and that they were like, how did you know? How did you know I was dealing with that? And it just oh, shows yeah. that we have such a collective struggle, you know? And um, so it's, it's really pretty amazing. Uh, so are, you're of, sending, real ahead. quick, one of my favorite uh, responses that we ever get from Cope Notes users is people are like, are you surveilling me? <laughs> or like, this is really creepy. Like, you know, I got a text about relationships when I was in the middle of uh, going through some sort of relationship issue. And I'm like, well, yeah, everyone is always going through some <laughs> sort of relationship issue. But to that person, it was like, wow, this is so relevant. And what I try to tell people is your brain is like a magical instrument and it will all, you know, anyone who's ever like driven past a billboard and it says like, think again or something. And you're like, whoa, that's like what I was doing with college. Like, <laughs> you know, everyone has a different response and it resonates with them in that way. That stuff happens all the time. Cope Notes is just trying to make that series of revelations consistent in your life instead of random. Yeah, really cool. It is. It's so true. It's kind of funny because they're probably like, are you, do you have a tracker on my phone? <laughs> this is creepy. Um, really cool. So, okay. So you're sending the text to your friends. You're realizing that it's resonating with them and that, this is something scalable that you can do that you weren't currently doing in your professional practice. How do you begin to put all of this together? You know, do you, do you know, to, to contact an app developer or, you know, how, how does this logistically get into practice? Well, I'll tell you, I did a real bad job with starting it, but I did it. And that's the important part. So <laughs> actually what I did was I, um, because my background is not technical, you know, I'm from like the psychology and, and I'm from the creative side of things, truly. Um, so I didn't know how the heck to build anything. So what I did was I used like an SMS marketing software online. I just like made an account and paid a subscription fee to them. And then I just added people's phone numbers as they signed up to like a mailing list via SMS. And then I would write a new text every day, but then I had to manually add people's numbers and I was making all these mistakes and it was super sloppy. And it was like, I can't believe there are some people who are still subscribed now from the first month <laughs> that we started. And I just look at those people like, wow, you guys are so patient. Because originally <laughs> it was such, it was just, there was so much human error. Um, and maybe less than a year in to me doing this, um, our now chief technology officer, Matt reached out to me and was like, Hey, I read about what you guys are doing in the newspaper. And I think that you could make it not suck. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> I'm thankful for his help. So now we have a really robust 
like technologically impressive system that like schedules text messages and um, manages user accounts and stuff. But back then you got a picture, it's me on my lunch break at a, at a marketing, or I worked at an advertising agency doing copywriting. So like on my lunch break, I was like plugging in people's phone numbers to this SMS marketing software and just blowing it. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, I love that picture because that's what, that's what we need to hear. You know, I think people get very overwhelmed with ideas that they're compelled to share into the world. And it's like, oh, well, I don't, I don't know an app developer. I don't know where to begin doing that. And so these are the pictures that we don't often see or get described to us. So I, I love that. And that just shows that you were committed to the process. I mean, it certainly wasn't easy and, it, and you didn't know how to do it, but you knew it needed to happen. And so you figured out how to do it with the resources that you had. And then people came along to help you do better, which is fantastic. I love that. So tell us a little bit about what, what is cope notes, what sort of, you know, are the notes and how does the whole process work? So cope notes in a sentence, we use daily text messages to improve mental and emotional health. And all of the messages are written by peers with lived experience. They are reviewed by a panel of mental health professionals to make sure they don't suck. And we're not just texting people smile. Like I said earlier, um, we want to make sure that the texts are based on proven psychological principles. And then with these short little like casual informal snippets, like exercises and psychology facts and um, journaling prompts and stuff like that, we want to make sure that when we send those to your phone, you're the only person in the world to get that text at that time. So you never know when it's coming because it's completely random. You never know what the text is going to say. And you know that it's not a big spam mass text going to a billion people at once. So what happens is when you're, when, you know, you're sitting in traffic or your boss is yelling at you, or you, you spill a ton of coffee on the carpet, which I may or may not have done in my lifetime in an apartment where that would be a problem. Um, and you get a phone, you know, your phone buzzes and you think, what now? Like, what, what does somebody need from me? What did I do wrong? And then you see that it, it is a 160 character or less little interruption to that prevailing negative thought pattern. And over time, that's designed to change the way that your brain processes information so it's kind of like a brain training neuroplasticity type of tool where over time your brain forms new neural pathways that prioritize positive thought over negative thought. Mm, I love that. I don't think I realized that everybody was getting different. Like you weren't getting what everybody else was getting. I don't think I realized that part of it, which is really super cool. Cause then it's, it's very unique. How, how frequently are these going out? So how many would I receive in a day? Right now, it's only one or two per day, depending on your settings, because we realized if we text people more than twice per day, then your brain starts seeing the text coming. I mean, not, you know, it doesn't predict them, but because your brain is always kind of bracing for impact, the impact is lower. Whereas if we text people less than once per day, so actually when I started Cope Notes, it was, it was 20 texts per month. So you didn't even know what day or time like you could go a whole day without getting a cope notes text. It was super random. Um, but we realized that for consistency's sake, for actually habit forming, for your brain to have consistent enough stimulus to change the way it's shaped inside, um, we needed the consistency to be at least every 24 hours. So we usually do one or two texts per day for each user. 
Mm, super interesting. Yeah. And I can imagine that if it was 20 out of the 30 days and one of those 10 non-cope note days were the bad day, you're like, where's yeah. my note? So um, yeah, really, co- really cool. Okay. So what would be an example of a note? What What is something, what's an example of something that's being said over text? Are you ready for me to totally gotcha you right now? <laughs> so I, I get asked that question all the time and it's always driven me up a wall because it robs Cope Notes of half of its efficacy. So half of what we do is content, of course, but the other half is the delivery. Um, You know, if I just said, you know, there's a billboard that says, think again, and you're like, well, that's lame. But if you're the person who's driving past it, thinking about college, like we just mentioned, that's when it has that monumental impact. So I do my best never to just read a text out loud because it robs the content of its impact. However, because I'm asked that question so often, I encourage people to go to copenotes.com and right at the top of our website, there is a phone that cycles through a week's worth of Copenotes text messages. So I'll do you one better. Instead of reading one right now, you can go read a full week of them on your own. But I will tell you, I will remind you that only half of what we do is content. The other half is delivery. I love that. I love that you're, you're not answering my question. No, you did answer it. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I know. I love the, the redirection and the explanation behind that. And I 100%, 100% get that. And I'm, I'm a huge believer that we get the messages that we are supposed to get when we're open enough to hearing them. So I, I love that this gets lumped into that. So thank you for, thank you for uh, sticking to your guns on that oh, <laughs> and yeah. not making the other podcasters upset that you read it on mine and not theirs. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, I, I so many emails. (laughs) Um, I am going to read a testimonial from your site though, just so we can kind of get into the impact of these notes. Uh, One of the testimonials that I I pulled from your site says, I had self-harm problems for a while, but I dropped those. Then I'll think I'm getting better and slip right back into not eating or sleeping again. I've been feeling a lot lower than usual lately. So I signed up for cope notes. It's an actual relevant message that puts things into perspective a little more. I just wanted to let you know that you're helping me. And it means a lot to know you're here for people with mental health problems. So I love all of the amazing testimonials that you're sharing on your site. And I know that there are probably so many more. What, um, what is the impact? How have you seen the impact come through in the stories that you've heard, the transformations that you've heard, you know, and, and how does that sort of inform you moving forward with the growth of this company? I think there are two primary categories of testimonial, and we celebrate both, by the way. So I want to start out by saying that, but we have two categories. Your first category is something like that, where someone says, hey, um, I have experienced mental health concerns in the past. I've struggled with this. And even some people will say, you know, I'm in therapy, I'm taking medication, or I have in the past, I've been diagnosed formally with something. This is something I'm consciously working on. And Cope Notes has led to a positive change either um, in my marriage or in my workplace or even people making big decisions like moving to a different country or applying for a job that they never would have applied for or just simply being a better parent or a better spouse. So we see a lot of restoration in there, people checking into rehab or treatment, um, people calling 911 when they notice that they are trending towards self-harm. So it's kind of one category. But the other one, this is the surprising one. I kind of expected slash hoped to see that first category, but the second one caught me by surprise. The second category of testimonial is the folks who say, listen, 
I'm not really a mental health person. I've never been diagnosed with anything. I've never really done any sort of treatment or therapy. And I don't even know much about this kind of thing, but without diagnoses, without treatment, without even having a bunch of prior knowledge to this, it's made a huge impact on my life. I haven't self-harmed. I haven't struggled with addiction. I haven't, you know, I've just been like a relatively average person in my life. And I didn't realize how much my mental health was affecting my everyday life. So that's really what surprised me is not necessarily the people who were struggling with mental illness, but the people who were like, you know, I'm, I'm 39 years old and I've never really tried to put my mental health first and trying to do that has made a massive impact in my life. Mm, really cool. I always love surprises, especially when you create a business and kind of have this, you know, you this vision of this avatar of the person that you're helping and you're like, wow, this is a much more expansive concept and more than I could have ever thought of. So I, I love that. I love that it pretty much can help. I mean, that's basically saying it can help anybody. So if you were to say, you know, who's your target market? I mean, I know, you know, specific is terrific, but I mean, in reality, what you're saying is it's, this really could be beneficial for anybody. Yeah. I, one thing that I've found pretty alarming is, um, you know, I'll speak, I do a lot of keynotes and like I lead webinars and trainings and stuff. So I speak out a lot. And a question that I often ask is, um, how many of you guys drank water yesterday? And literally everyone will raise their hand because you'll pretty much die without water. And I'll say, you know, how many people slept for some amount of time last night? And everybody raises their hand. And then I say, uh, in the last 24 hours, how many people have taken a breath or gone to the bathroom and people are raising their hands? And I say, in the last 24 hours, how many people have done something to consciously prioritize their mental health? And almost nobody raises their hand. So we have this like, hierarchy of importance. And we literally put our brain at the bottom of the list and cope notes is trying to address exactly that. Like how many people diagnosis or not go 24 hours straight without engaging in even 30 seconds of brain care, mostly everybody. And that's a problem. Hmm. Really important. I mean, yeah, I think we can all relate to that. And the way that we prioritize is largely informed by what society is encouraging. And when it's not encouraged, then we're doing what is being encouraged. And we're told millions of times a day to drink water. And we also know we have to, to live, but we, we um, know that if we stay distracted away or don't pay attention to our mental health, we will, you know, we'll continue to survive for a long enough time until maybe it, you know, is speaks more loudly to us and we are forced to prioritize it. But yeah, those are really important really important points. So what are your um, sort of long-term hopes for Cope Notes? And has that shifted with, you know, being informed of the types of audience that you're getting? Uh, and, you know, what, what are you kind of seeing for the vision of the company? So my goals now are much different than when I started. Uh, believe it or not, if you were to go to the Cope Notes website early on, like, you know, day launch day, you would see it was like totally geared towards the metal and hardcore and tattoo <laughs> community. <laughs> so like all of our branding is like a bunch of super tattooed people and everything looks super metal. Cause that's just where I was from. And that was kind of my target demographic. And slowly we branched out of that. So now, you know, originally we were just B2C. So individual people signing up and now we're working with governments and um, school districts and, businesses for employee wellness and colleges. And I mean, I had no idea it would trend in this way, but ultimately the, the goal that I have for Cope Notes is 
it's actually related to the social thing that you said earlier. You said we prioritize kind of what culture dictates that we should prioritize. And that's what I really want. Like my dream, when I close my eyes and I think like, you know, on my deathbed, what do I want to be able to say that I devoted my life to doing? And I want to, I want Cope Notes to be the cornerstone of this cultural change where, you know, you know, you don't feel weird when you drink water. You don't feel weird when you brush your teeth. Um, those things are not socially frowned upon. So my goal is to change culture and flip it upside down so that mental and emotional health are treated just like those other things. Like I want, by the time I die, for mental health to not be its own niche, taboo, a weird specific topic. I I pray that it becomes so much a part of our everyday vernacular that we can spot problems coming. We can spot crises months or years before they actually happen because we're talking about it. I love that. I love that. And you're already doing that because here we are talking about it and we have no idea how many people will listen to this and all the other interviews yeah. that you've done and how many, how many are currently on cope notes and being impacted as of today. And, and when did it start? So we started, we're about to turn three years old. We sent our first text March 1st of 2018. So by the time this comes out, we will be three years old. Um, we are finally a toddler. And <laughs> I believe we have 16,500 something users currently. It says it on the homepage of our website. There's a metric that says lives impacted. Mm -hmm. So it's one of our success metrics. I love that. I love that. I much rather would pay attention to that than how many millions of billions of burgers McDonald's is, oh. is serving up. So um, I'm excited for you. That's a wonderful growth in a relatively short period of time. You're not even into 3T clothes yet. So I love that. I think that's a fantastic testament to the quality of content that you're putting out. And uh, any any chance that you'll be sending out uh, musical snippets um, it, creatively that way, or, or will it continue to be more um, geared just toward, around wording? So we used to do rich media back when we first started. So we'd send photos, we'd send links to videos, um, articles and stuff like that. And then when we did user surveys, people were like, yo, that stuff is annoying. <laughs> like, I don't have time to read an article. You know, I'll get a Cope Notes text message at work. How am I going to listen to something? Like, you know, mm -hmm. so we just learned that it was like really impractical for people. So over time, we started paring it down and paring it down until it was literally just plain text messages. And that's when, believe it or not, our users were happiest. They're like, thank you for cutting out all that rich media stuff. Like we can't engage with that when we're dry, uh, like at a stoplight or at work or something. Um, so I have noodled with the idea of um, doing some audio related projects through Cope Notes and it's on our roadmap. So if enough users say that it's something they'd be interested in, I would love to test something out. And I have a few ideas that I think could be really cool, but part of the, part of the hard part actually is keeping it simple. Like I've had so many ideas that I've wanted to integrate into Cope Notes. And then we do some user feedback surveys and they're like, yeah, just keep it keep doing the thing that's working. So mm -hmm. until we have enough users say, please add a new thing, then I'm trying to test my ideas behind the curtain and just kind of workshop them before we show anybody. 
Really so great that you're listening to your users in that way. And um, yeah, I mean, I totally think with your with your musical talent and skill set, like at some point, I don't know how that would all get wrapped up into it, but it seems like that would be super cool. But I also understand what the users are saying is that there's enough complication in our life that I don't need this to also be complicated and I don't have time. And if you're sending me something complicated, I'm probably not going to get to it and then it's not going to have any impact. So um, I it also brings me right back to the medical system and the complication of the medical system and um, how these surveys should be going out to patients as well, because I'm sure they would appreciate simplicity in the system as well. So really, really great. Tell our listeners where they can learn more about Cope Notes and how do they sign up? Yes. So as you smart, astute listeners could guess, copenotes.com is our website. And we have pretty much everything on there. Like if you go to the website, there's the example text on there. Like I said, obviously you can sign up for a subscription for yourself or give a subscription to a loved one on our website. And then we also have a link to our podcast on there. My Ted talk is on our about page. And then there's a contact form. So you have specific questions like, Hey, do you do uh, employee wellness for this type of group or whatever question you have? Can you come speak at my school? There's a contact form on the website that you can use to get in touch with me. So the Cope Notes website is like your best one-stop shop URL. Perfect. Perfect. Love it. I love that you can gift it. I think that's fantastic. What a wonderful gift that would keep on giving. So thank you so much for your time today, Johnny, and your insights and your sharing your journey and for you taking the sticky notes that helped you and sharing them with the world. I really appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, dude. Does anyone else love that he just called me dude at the end? I feel like we're best friends. (laughs) My sister calls me dude. So I love that. I just love how genuine Johnny is and how passionate he is about the work that he's doing. Just a really amazing guy and a really wonderfully inspiring cause and service to the community. I will put all of those links in the show notes so you can check out Johnny and all the amazing work he is doing. He also mentioned, of course, that physical exercise was key to his journey. And as I've mentioned before, one of my favorite ways to get in some exercise during this pandemic and being safe at home is through fitness virtually. And one of my favorites is OXO Fitness. That's auxofitness.com. They are a sponsor of this show, but it was at my request because I already loved them. So I can certainly vouch for them. An amazing, amazing community of people who just want to stay healthy and fit and can do so at home. I will include that link as well. And I look forward to seeing you all here again next time. 